Well, I'm excited about the class tonight, uh, always excited about, uh, about the subject, uh, talking about biblical principles for financial success. Uh, we're going to use some of Solomon's secrets, the wealthiest man to ever live, uh, including today, uh, Solomon, uh, incredible wisdom in the area of finances. We're going to talk about some things that he uh, says and uh, then uh, Dave Ramsey. We all have heard about Dave Ramsey. Maybe you've been to his class. Maybe you haven't. If you haven't, I would encourage you uh, to do so. Uh, actually, Michelle uh, had told me that I could uh, loan this book out to somebody that would like to read this book. So the first person that lifts their hand and wants to read this book, there it is right back there. Come and get it. This is yours to read. And if you'd bring it back to us, then we could uh, give it to somebody else too. I totally endorse Dave Ramsey and his teaching, and uh, evidently he listened to a lot of my teaching and wrote a book off of my teaching and got rich. Uh, no, I'm just kidding, but actually uh, I have been teaching much of what he teaches for many years before I ever heard of Dave Ramsey. It started out with Larry Burkett, and there was another guy before him that I read a lot after, and I don't remember, and, uh, and, uh, and then I've actually read the Bible, and uh, it has a lot to say about finances as, as well. So well, let's get started tonight. Statistics tell us that 70% of Americans today live paycheck to paycheck. Seven out of every 10 people, their paycheck is already spent before they even get it. They have too much month left over at the end of the money. I don't know about you, if seven out of ten people are living paycheck to paycheck, I think we ought to be talking about money. Now, I want to be clear tonight. I, I don't believe that money can buy happiness. don't believe that money can buy happiness. I do believe that the lack of money can cause a lot of unhappiness. Uh, when you can't take care of your family, uh, when the lack of finances places you uh, in undue stress, I think the lack of money uh, can cause a lot of unhappiness. But also, it's not just the amount of money that is the problem. The problem also is with the management or with the mismanagement of money. Uh, sad to say, there are six-figure income earners that live paycheck. To paycheck. I may have told you this, I don't know, but, but there was a man in my church years ago uh, who made six figures. He made $100,000 a year plus. Uh, how many know, you know, if you make hundred grand a year, uh, you know, I think you ought to be able to do okay. How about you? You know, I think you ought to be able to do okay on that. Now, I know $100,000 doesn't do what it did, uh, you know, uh, 25 years ago, but still, but this was actually about probably... 15 years ago or so, maybe longer. And this man was a six-figure income earner. In fact, he made more money than anybody in, in, in the church I was pastoring at the time. And uh, I remember one Sunday night, we were all going out to eat after church like we used to do. Remember on Sunday night, we used to all go out to eat after church, you know, because, uh, you, know, uh, you know, our church doesn't let us drink or smoke or chip or none of that or, or dip or any of that stuff, so we just all eat, right? And uh, so, uh, so we were going, going to eat, and I asked him, and I said, and he always went, and I said, aren't you going out to eat? And, and he, he said, no. I said, well, why are you not going 
going out to eat with us. You know, you're too good for us. Well, I was just having fun with him, just messing around with him. And he, and he ducked his head and he said, well, pastor, I'm not. Actually, the truth is I'm financially embarrassed. I don't have money to go out to eat tonight. And I, oh, and okay, okay. But I thought, what? You know, I mean, you make more money than the whole, anybody in the whole church. You don't have money to, you know, to go out and get a burger after church. Uh, see, see, it's not, it's not all about the amount. It's not all about the amount. The amount. Often, it's about mismanagement. In fact, there are often people that you know can't seem to make ends meet, and they can't seem to make it, and can't seem to live within their means. And yet, there are people that make much less than they do that that do make ends meet and and do well with it. So it's not all about the amount of money. The amount of money is not always the problem. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it is, and I need to understand that sometimes that it is the amount. And so then you have to figure out a way to raise the amount, either by getting a raise, getting a better job, or, uh, or getting a, a part-time job, or, or whatever. Sometimes it is the amount, but more often than not, it's not the amount. Because there, peop- there, are, there are people that make lots of money and still live paycheck to paycheck. I'm personally acquainted with pastors who pastored large, thriving churches, and they were well compensated for their ministry. And yet, when retirement came, uh, time came, they couldn't retire because they had not saved or invested any money. So, so it's not about how much uh, you have made. It is, it is how much have you saved. It is how much have you invested. Uh, it is what are you doing with what you have. It is how are you managing what you have. Here's what I know, and that is looks can be very deceiving. Looks can be very deceiving. Uh, There's a lot of people that are playing uh, make-believe. Playing make-believe. You know, it's okay to play make-believe. My little three-year-old granddaughter plays make-believe. We never know who she's going to be. We don't know if she's going to be Doc McStuffin or if she's going to be, oh, man, I just had a senior moment there. What's the little uh, uh, Dora the Explorer? You know, uh, or if she's going to be Eliana, who she, we don't ever know who she's going to be, you know. And uh, it's okay to make, play make-believe for her because she's, you know, she's three and a half. And, 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 and it's fun, and it's okay, and it's normal, and it's okay. But there's a lot of people that are 33 that are playing make-believe. Some that are 43, some that are 53, some that are 63. And they're still playing make-believe believe. They, they pretend. They're playing pretend. They pretend that their house is in order. They pretend that their finances are in order. They pretend and they put on the show like they're really doing well, uh, but actually they're just playing make-believe. They're just playing pretend because actually they're drowning in the sea of debt. Oh, they live in a nice home, and they drive a nice car, and they wear designer clothes, and, and hey, they even make fun of those who are not stylish. But they own nothing. They own nothing. They are mortgaged up to their eyeballs. And, and if I have described anyone here tonight, it's, it's purely accidental. But if I have, I have a word for you from the Lord. And the word is, stop it. Stop it. Tonight is the night to stop playing make-believe and pretend. Uh, tonight is the night to get off of that ridiculous financial merry-go-round that you are on, that you are on, round and round and around you go, but you are getting nowhere. Hey, don't you want to be able to tell your money where to go instead of wondering where it went? 
Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 8 and 9, he said, rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction or information to a wise man and he will still be wiser. And then he said in Proverbs chapter 12 and verse number 1, he said, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. But he who hates correction is stupid. Uh, about 40 years ago or so, I, uh, I was an evangelist, and my wife and I were traveling around in a little travel trailer, and that's what you did back then, you know, traveled around in a travel trailer, and we went from church to church and preached revivals, and, and, uh, and that's about 40 years ago. And, and I'll, I'll never forget, uh, after uh, one of my revival services, uh, an older uh, pastor, he was probably older, probably about how old I am now, <laughs> Oh, sorry. Uh, but anyway, I, I don't know. But I was just young. I was in my early, uh, man, I was barely maybe 21 or so. And, uh, and, and, and he came up to me after the service, and he offered some uh, constructive criticism about my preaching style and my preaching delivery. And, and honestly, it offended me. Uh, it offended me. Uh, it hurt my feelings. Uh, it made me mad, you know. It, it, it literally made me angry. And uh, so I, I kind of blew him off, and I went back to the travel trailer, and I told my wife, and told my wife what the old coot said to me after church, you know, and, 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 and I told her, you know, and, and, you know, that old coot, you know, I said, you know, he's probably just jealous because I was the one preaching. He was the one sitting out there listening, you know. He's probably, you know, jealous of, you know, my great abilities and my great, you know, uh, charisma. And I, he's just probably just trying to, you know, uh, make himself feel better by making me feel bad. And, you know, and, and, and my wife said, honey, I've been trying to tell you that for a long time now, and you just won't listen. And so, remember, this was 40 years ago. I went out and bought myself a tape recorder. Do you know what a tape recorder is? Uh, I went out and bought myself a tape recorder and started recording myself preach and started listening to the tapes, and guess what? There it was. And they were right. And so I corrected the problem, and, and, uh, and you can thank them for it. Um, I hope somebody gets offended in this class. Um, I hope somebody's feelings get hurt in this class. Uh, I hope I make somebody angry in this class. Because if not, you're going to continue walking down the same old road that you've been walking down for years. And and if you continue to walk down the same old road that you've been walking down, you're going to end up at the same old place you've always ended up. Solomon said in Proverbs 12 and 15, he said, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. He just can't see it. He just can't see it. Everybody else can see it. Everybody else heard what I was doing. Everybody else heard it. I couldn't hear it. I thought it was great. I thought I was awesome. I thought I was incredible. I thought, man, this is something. I'm something on a stick. Hopefully I didn't really, but, but not until, you know, somebody took me by the nap of the neck and said, look, you know. And that's what he told me. He said, you know, 
He said, you're a young preacher, you're just getting started. And he said, you know, he said, you got a lot of zeal, you got a lot of enthusiasm. He said, you got good content for, you know, for your age. And he just really affirmed me. He said, but that thing that you do after the end of every sentence is very annoying. And he said, it's, it's, it's hard to listen to. And you need, you know, and, and, and you know, I, I, I couldn't hear it. But when I did actually hear it, then it and made the correction, it, it just really incredibly helped me in, in, in the years to come after that. And it will do the same to you in, in, in whatever area that you need a wake-up call in. All right, let's review just for a moment the first two of Solomon's seven secrets to financial success that we've already covered. The first one is develop a plan. Develop a plan. I gave you two separate plans in lesson one. Uh, I gave you a plan for financial success, and then I gave you a plan to get out of debt, the snowball effect. Never forget, he who fails to plan, plans to fail. And then uh, the second secret to Solomon's uh, to financial success that Solomon gave that we talked about last Wednesday night was take personal responsibility for your financial success. Because whether you succeed or fail in the area of finances is entirely up to you. Uh, you can let this go in one ear and out the other, or you can put into practice what you learn in this class. Uh, you can let this class get you on the right track, and, and, and then from there, maybe you need to, to take financial peace from Dave Ramsey, or at least get the book and read it, or, um, or just do what I'm telling you to do. But whatever, it's up to you. you, you are, we're all big boys and big girls in this class, and and our financial future is being decided right here, right now, in this class. In whether or not, it's not, that we go, it's not just that we get the information, it's what we do with the information. And if you don't do anything with the information, then it's not going to do any good. It's not going to make any change in your life. So it's up to you. It's up to you. And that's why I want to be over the top. And that's why I, I get a little uh, animated on this subject because I, I, I want to see... I want to see your future be awesome and incredible, and, 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 and I understand. I understand the effect that, that finances have in every area of your life, every area of your life. You know, when, when, when the number one problem in marriage is finances, I want, to, I want to help fix your finances. Help fix your finances so you don't have trouble in that area, you know. Uh, you have a great desire and a great zeal to do something awesome and incredible for God, but you can't do it because you're upside down financially. You can't tithe, you can't give, you can't go, you can't do. I want you to be, to be released where you can do some incredible things for God, where God can, can call you to do certain things and use you in certain areas. I want to get you out of, out of bondage. And why did we say that we were going to save and invest? Why did we say we're doing this? What's the motivation? Huh? Financial freedom. Financial freedom. Say those two words. Say it again. Say it with enthusiasm. Say it like you are free. All right. Doesn't it sound good? Does it sound good? See, remember we talked about last week that financial freedom gives us what? What does financial freedom give us? Options, yes. Gives us options. 
It gives us choices. Choices. I said we can either have obligations or options, which sounds better. Obligations or options. Options, yeah. All right. Did you answer the questions I told you to ask yourself last week? First question I ask you to ask yourself is, have I taken personal responsibility for my finances? Have I taken personal responsibility for my finances? Or have I played the blame game? Have I blamed it on my parents? Well, my parents didn't have their finances in order, and I just did what they did, and it's all their fault. Wah, wah, wah. Or it's my upbringing, or it's my education, or it's my lack of education, or it's the economy, or it's this or that. No. Have I taken personal responsibility for my finances? Second question, did you answer, what would financial freedom feel like? What would it feel like to be financially free? What would it feel like to be out from under all of those obligations? What would it feel like if I didn't have a car payment to make every single month? What would it feel like if I didn't have to pay the credit card every single month and just paying the the, the minimum, because that's all I can afford to pay. What would it feel like if I, didn't, if I didn't owe anything on credit cards? What would it feel like if I was financially free? What would it look like? What could I do? What could I do? Where could I go? Wow. How could my life change? How would my life be different? If I wasn't under bondage, how would my life be different if I wasn't struggling in the area of finances? Third question, who's better at handling finances, me or my spouse, if you're married? Again, both should be involved, but the one who is best at it should take the lead. Number four, am I willing to pay the price for financial freedom? I say all day I want to be financially free. I can say all day I want to be debt free. I can say it all day long, but am I willing to pay the price for financial freedom? Because there's a price to pay for financial freedom. Now, the good news is after we pay the price and after we get the financial freedom and we get free financially and we get out from under bondage, man, it's awesome and it's incredible. And then we can do things we could never even think about or dream about before. But getting there is not easy. Am I willing to pay the price for financial freedom? I might have to downsize on my house. Again, if you weren't here last Wednesday night, let me tell you that, that, your, that your rent or your house payment should not exceed 25% of your regular take-home pay, not including bonuses because those bonuses might go away. Not including overtime, because they may cut out overtime. But your, your rent or your payment of your house should not exceed 25% of your regular take-home pay. Now, if it's, you know, you know, if it's 27, 28, 29, I mean, I'm not saying to the penny, but that's where it ought to be. Don't sell your house if it's 29%, okay? Figure out a way. But I, you might have to downsize on your house. Uh, you, might have to, you might have to sell uh, your car and buy an old clunker, an old beater. Temporary. Say temporary. 
temporary. Dave Ramsey says live like no one else now so you can live like no one else later. You know, get gazelle intense, he talks about, you know. I say drastic situations call for drastic measures, okay? Okay, but it's temporary. It's temporary. It's not forever. You're not going to live that way the rest of your life. You're going to live that way until you get right side up. You're going to live that way until you get everything paid for besides your house. And then you can live a little bit, but still work on that. There's no reason why you can't pay off your house. If, you know, if, if, if you took all of the things, all the money you were paying on car payments and, and, and JCPenney and, 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 and flittering away at Starbucks and, 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 uh, and, and credit card debt and, and all of these things together, you know, if you put all that money you were spending on all that other stuff and put it now towards your house, you could even get your house paid for it, it, it really, it's amazing, okay? Uh, you know, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to have a plastectomy. Plastectomy. You're going to have to cut up the credit cards. Okay? You're going to have to live like no one else now, so later we can live like no one else. All right, let's move on to Solomon's third secret to financial success, and here it is. Don't be naive. Don't be naive. Finish this sentence. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. We've all heard that, but evidently we don't all believe that. Because most people today believe in fairy tales. Or at least they live like they believe in fairy tales. Uh, they believe, oh, they wouldn't say this, and I don't mean really, but I'm just saying by the way they live, they, they, they believe they're going to find an old bottle with a genie in it and get three wishes. And all their dreams are going to come true and all their troubles are going to be over because of those three wishes. Or they believe they're going to win the lottery and the millions that they're going to get from the, winning the lottery is going to get them out of financial trouble. Did you know, it's a documented fact, that most people who win the lottery are in worse shape financially than they were before they won the lottery in three to five years? That's unbelievable. How could that be? Well, see, because most people who play the lottery are naive. They're naive. Uh, they're naive, number one, because they think they're going to win. How naive is that? You know, how many million to one are the odds and they think they're going to win? They're naive. Um, and they're naive because they think that when they do win the lottery, that it's going to solve all their problems. Truth of the matter is they can't afford gas for their car. They can't afford gas or groceries for their family. They don't have enough money to buy milk and diapers for the baby, and yet they're buying beer, cigarettes, and lottery tickets. Jesus said, he who is faithful in little will be faithful with much, and he who mismanages little will also mismanage much. He said that in Luke 19 and 17. Let me ask you this. I think I said it before, but it's worth repeating. Why should God give you more when you're mismanaging the little bit that you have right now? 
Some people, I know people that are upset with God because God don't give them more. And God says, why should I give you more? You're not doing very good with what you got. You're not handling what I gave you. You're, you're mismanaging. You know, you're not honoring me. First of all, you're not honoring me with the little bit you have by tithing. You're not managing uh, well the little bit that you have now. So why in the world should I trust you with more? Why in the world should I give you more to mismanage and to dishonor me with? Let me just ask this question tonight, put it in perspective. What do most people do when they get more? They spend more. When people get more, they, they spend more. Uh, if they get a raise, immediately they raise their standard of living. They either buy a bigger house or move into a nicer apartment or buy a better car or start eating a better grade of meat or go eat out more or eat out better or buy better clothes or if they get a raise they just immediately raise their standard of living if they get a bonus do they pay off a debt no no they go shopping let me ask you this why do broke people go shopping Why do broke people go shopping? And I'm not necessarily talking about go purchasing, because whether you're broke or not broke, you, there are, you have legitimate needs. But, you know, I, you know, I don't understand shopping anyway. Of course, I'm not a, not a woman, so okay. But I don't understand shopping anyway. You know, I go buying. I don't go shopping. You know why I don't go shopping? Because I know if I go shopping, I'm going to find something I want. I know, you know, I'm going to find something I want. And so even though I just was, you know, oh, we're just going to go look. We're just going to go shop. You're going to come home with something. Come home with something. I know if I go shopping, I'm going to go, I'm going to want something. Something's going to jump out of me and just say, you got to have me. You got to have me. You got to have me. So I I don't go shopping. The mall would close down if they depended on me. And if Starbucks and the cookie place wasn't in the mall, they sure, you know, I would ne- they'd never get me in the door. Let me ask you this question. If someone were to give you a million dollars, what would you do with it? Let me tell you what you'd do with it. You'd do with it the very same thing that you've been doing with what you have now. If you manage well, you'd manage it well. If you mismanage, you'd mismanage it. Because the greatest indicator of what a person will do is what they have done. You know what? I don't have to have a crystal ball. First of all, I don't believe in it, but I don't have to have a crystal ball to tell your future. And I don't have to be a prophet to tell you your future. All I have to do to tell you what your future looks like is just to know a little bit about your past. Now hang with me. Don't hang with me now. I'm going to get better before I'm done. But but I, I don't need a crystal ball. I don't need to be a prophet. All I have to do is find out a little bit about your past and I can tell you what your future is going to look like. Now it doesn't have to be that way. 
It doesn't have to be that way. But for most people, it will be that way. Because the greatest indicator of what a person will do is what they have done. And so, if you don't like your past, you're probably not going to like your future either. Unless you make some changes. And that's what this class is all about. If nothing else, if I can just get you by the nap of the neck, if nothing else, if I can just shake you a little bit and awaken you, slap you around a little bit, make you mad. If nothing else, even if you don't, you know, take the nuts and bolts of what I'm giving, if you can just get this, that, you know what? Wow. If I don't make some drastic changes in my life, my future is going to be just like my past. And I don't like my past. I don't like my present. And the only way to change it is to make some changes. But the people change very little. You can change, but change is hard. And, and very few people actually do change. They, that's the reason why they get divorced, because they don't make changes. And that's the reason why when they get married the second time, they get a second divorce. Because the problem with the second marriage is they bring the same old person into the second marriage. Doesn't have to be. Listen, please, please, please. I'm not telling you that it has to be that way. I'm telling you that's the way it usually is, okay? So please don't get mad at Well, I don't care if you get mad at me or not. Just if it helps you. I'm not telling you it has to be that way. I'm telling you that it's probably going to be that way. Because you let it go in one ear and out the other. Because you don't do anything with what you hear. See, most people come in on Sunday and hear a sermon, hear good teachers, and man, that was really good, man. Pastor was really on fire today, man. That was really awesome today. And then just go on about their merry way and don't do anything about it. A few people take the principles of God's Word and the principles that have been taught and actually apply them and see drastic change in their life. Hey, um, change is hard, and very few people actually do change. It takes a discipline to change. Hey, it takes discipline to stop going to Starbucks. I'll pick on them right now, okay? It takes discipline to quit going to Starbucks every day on your way to work and picking up a $4 drink and a $2 pastry, and you spent what most people spend on lunch, you already spent it before you even got to work. When you could have brewed the stuff at home and put your ooey-gooey junk in there if you have to have it and made it for 50 cents or 75 cents instead of 4 bucks. I can make, I, I love Starbucks coffee. But I can make it better than they do. Because I make it for my taste. And I know how I like it. So when I go buy it from there, it's not as good as what it is when I, it comes out of my pot. Because I know how I like it. So I, you know, I leave home with a mug of Starbucks coffee every day. But first of all, I got somebody who scouts out deals for me. And I get bags of Starbucks. Instead of $8 for a bag of Starbucks coffee, I get it for sometimes two seventy-five, three bucks. I'm not telling you who does that for me because you'll want them to do it for you and then they won't be able to do it for me, so I'm not telling you. I'm just having a little fun, okay? But seriously, 
The greatest indicator of what a person will do is what they have done, but it doesn't have to be you. You can change. You can change. You can change your future. But it takes discipline to change. It takes discipline to tell your buddies, I'm not going out to lunch because I brought me a sandwich and some chips. And they're spending, you know, I mean, you can't even go fast food anymore for less than eight bucks, can you? You know? And do that every day? That's 40 bucks a week. That's 160 bucks a month. And you could have brought you a sandwich and chips or leftovers from, you know, in a Tupperware deal that would be better than any kind of fast food you can get. I know I'm old. I know this is ridiculous. But I'm telling you, I'm just trying to help. I told you, and I'm sorry I'm repeating some things, but it's okay because you don't hear it all the first time anyway. Okay? You've got money you don't know about. You've got money you don't know about. You've got more money than you think you do. You're flittering it here. $4 here, $5 here, $10 here, $12 there, $6 there. You need to gather up all that, and all of a sudden you got 50 bucks or 100 bucks or a couple hundred bucks. It's amazing what you can find right there. You already have. But it takes discipline. That's what Jesus said. He was talking about discipline here. He said, he who is faithful in little will be faithful in much. And the opposite of this is also true. And so if people winning the lottery mismanaged the little bit they had before they won the lottery, guess what? They more than likely are going to mismanage the millions they get from winning the lottery. They're going to quit their job. I'm not sharing the offering with you. You're helping me preach, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not sharing the offering with you. I'm having fun with you, okay? They're going to quit their job. Then they're going to mismanage the money. And then they're going to be broke and unemployed. In three to five years. Solomon said in Proverbs 21 and 20, The wise have wealth and luxury, but the fool spends everything they get. The fool thinks if he gets more money, that's more money for him to spend. That's foolish thinking. If you're in debt, first of all, you get more money. You get a birthday uh, present. That's money. You know, it goes on your credit card. You get a bonus at Christmas time. It goes on your credit card. The wise have wealth and luxury, but the fool spends everything he gets. Proverbs 20 and 21, an inheritance gained hastily at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. Here's the thing about the lottery or anything like that, or, you know, a windfall or an inheritance. You don't have to work for it, so you don't appreciate it. I, this is, I'm just telling you that I'm not trying to make myself look good. I already told you that I was tightwad, right? Or I already told you that. I already told you I'm tight. I already told you I'm a saver. I see money stacking and not round and rolling. I see it flat and stacking, okay? The only money that I'm aware of, I'm talking about substantial amount of money, 
in my 43 years of living on my own that I mismanaged was money that was given to me. It was handed to me. Somebody wrote me a check and handed me a check for several thousand dollars and just put it in my hand. I didn't work for it. I didn't deserve it. I didn't, and I mismanaged that money. Actually, the man that gave me the money told me about an investment that he had invested in, and there were some red flags, but I didn't, I didn't work for that money, so, you know, easy come, easy. And so I invested in the same thing he did, and the day after I invested, we found out it was a Ponzi scheme. It was a ripoff. Good news is we got about 70% of that money back a, a couple of years later after litigation. But it was totally out of, totally out of my, of who I am to make, to, to make that investment. But what I'm saying is, 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 is I didn't have to pay for it. I didn't have to work for it, and so it, it didn't seem real. It didn't hurt near as bad because it wasn't money I worked for, Okay. And so that's what, he, that's what he's saying. Proverbs is what the wisdom writer is saying. An inheritance gained hastily at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. Money that comes easy, you have to be doubly careful with it. It's easy come, easy go. Proverbs 28 and 20 says, The trustworthy person will get a rich reward, but a person who wants quick riches will get into trouble. So what is Solomon's third secret for financial success? Don't be naive. Don't be naive. You're not going to win the lottery. Uncle Joe is not going to die and leave his wealth to you. There are no easy or quick paths to rich, riches and wealth. And I hope I don't step on anybody's toes here, but the multi-level marketing business will only work for a little while and only for those who get in at the very beginning. Bruce Fleet, in his book, Seven Secrets of, Solomon, uh, of, financial su- of Solomon's Financial Success, he writes, fewer than 1% of all multi-level marketing distributors ever earn a profit. That's what he writes out of his book. Fewer than 1% of all multi-level marketing distributors ever earn a profit. Those earning a sustainable living at this business are at a much smaller percentage than this. What? Smaller than 1%? But I thought they said I could get filthy rich doing this, and I thought they said I only had to work six to eight hours a week. I thought they told me I would win a new car. I thought they told me I could win a trip to the Bahamas. If it sounds too good to be true. Now, I'm not saying it will never, it can't happen. I'm not. Because I've got some good friends right now, or actually they're friends of, my, of, 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 of some of my kinfolk, who are tearing it up in a multi-level marketing thing. So I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm saying it's probably not going to happen. Bruce Fleet says, and he's got it written in his book, 
that fewer than 1% of all multi-level marketing distributors will ever make a profit, and those earning a sustainable living at this business are a much smaller percentage than this. I've seen it come, I've seen it go in several different things, and uh, if you get in on the ground floor of it, it'll work for a while, but it'll eventually go away. They all do. Take that for what it's worth. Uh, but if you're making lots of money in multi-level, don't forget to pay your tithe. <laughs> Proverbs 28 and 19 says, He who works his land will have abundance. But the one who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. Don't be one of those people with stars in your eyes. Always on the lookout for the latest and greatest. Following the fads. Jumping on the bandwagon of every new scheme or every new deal or every fast track that comes along. Solomon says, don't be naive. Now, it's okay to be misled once. I already fessed up. I was misled. Everyone is misled. It's okay to be misled once. We've all been duped. We've all drank the Kool-Aid. But remember what someone said, burn me once, shame on you. Burn me twice, shame on me. Learn from your past mistakes. Learn from the mistakes of your family. Learn from the mistakes of your friends. Don't be naive. You're not going to get something for nothing. To get a lot, you're going to have to produce a lot. To get a lot will cost you a lot of your time and it will cost you a lot of your energy and the ability to develop and stick with a good plan. Don't be naive. Nothing magical is going to happen to you or for you unless you make it happen. And you don't have to be a superstar. You don't have to be a superstar to make good things happen for you. You just need a good plan and the perseverance to stick to that plan. Later on in the lessons, I'm going to tell you about a pastor. And I can't remember. I'm just doing this off the top of my head. But I'm, he never made more than $20,000. This was several years ago. He never made more than $20,000 in his entire ministry. And yet, he retired a millionaire. It's documented. How did that happen? Well, first of all, he got under God's blessing, got out from under God's curse. He was a tither. Second of all, he made consistent, say consistent, he made consistent uh, contributions to, uh, uh, to good in, to investments for 40 years. But he made one incredibly good investment that just was unbelievable. And it wasn't a lot amount, but it was way back and over time. And you that are young, that's the reason why I'm, I'm so glad you're in here, Megan. And you've heard my teaching before. And I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you're hearing it again. And others that are young, I'm glad you're hearing this teaching now because, because if you never make a, a lot of money in your life, you can still retire a millionaire because you're young enough. You're young enough. It's not necessarily the amount. It's how early you start and the consistency. 
a little bit over a lot of time compounded. A little bit, let me say this, a little bit over a long period of time will do more than a lot over a little amount of time. So it's not, you, you, you may, you know, I hope you do. I hope you make six figures in your, in your life sometime or you marry that guy that does or whatever. But even if you don't, even if you never make a lot of money, if you start now and you are a tither, bless you. And so God will bless you for that. But if you make some wise investments, you're smart with your money, you make some wise investments uh, and, and do it starting now over, you know, the next, uh, how old are you, over the next 40 years, you have several million dollars. The best thing you have going for you, and Teacher Michelle and others, the best thing you got going for you is your age and time. Time is on your side. Time's not on my side anymore, but it's on your side. It's on your side. Good news is I didn't start last week. Okay? Uh, you got to have a good plan. You got to have the persistence and perseverance to stick to that plan. You're going to have to stop whining and start working. You're going to have to stop making excuses and start making appointments. Solomon said in Proverbs 10 and 4, lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. Well, that's not all that he had to say. That, that in and of itself is not a true statement, but he had a lot of other things to say. Because there's a lot of lazy uh, there's a lot of hard workers that never get rich. Because you don't have to just work hard. You've got to be smart with your money, too. Proverbs 13, 11, he who gathers by hard work will increase. Proverbs 12 and 24, work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. Verse 27, lazy people don't even cook the game they catch, but the diligent make use of everything they find. What is Solomon's third secret for financial success? Don't be naive. Let me give you four characteristics of naive people. Four characteristics of naive people. We'll try and do it in 10 minutes. Number one, they're immature. Immature. See, only immature people believe that you can get something for nothing. Only immature people believe in magic and get-rich-quick schemes. Only the immature believe that you can have a major turnaround in your financial situation with only minor changes and effort on your part. That's immaturity. Can't have a major change or a major uh, uh, change in your finances without making, making major changes. Okay? The second um, characteristic of someone who's naive is they're impulsive. They're impulsive. Naive people are impulsive, they're the first to jump ship. They're the first to jump on the bandwagon. They're the first to drink the Kool-Aid. Impulsive people go to the car dealership for the free hot dog and Pepsi and drive out owing $30,000 on a new car. Let me give you some good advice. 7-Eleven sells hot dogs for a dollar. Spend a buck and save thirty grand. Here's my policy for my life. I want you to pay close attention to this because I think this could totally change your future right here. 
I have lived by this policy now for 30 plus years. And here it is. I never buy any major, I never make any major purchase the same day I find it. I never make any major purchase the same day I find it. Never. Not a house, not a car, not furniture, no matter how good the deal is. Better buy today, the salesman says. The car won't be here tomorrow. You got to decide today. Okay. Then I decide no. If I found it today and I got to decide today, then my decision is no. But it's a good deal. It's a great deal. Better buy it today because somebody's coming in tomorrow and they'll buy it or they'll buy it. The next guy in here is going to buy it. Let me tell you what I've learned in the last 43 years of buying and selling and living there will always be another good deal. There will always be another good deal. I'm not saying that wasn't a good deal. I'm saying there will, there will always be another good deal. And the next deal might be better than the last. How am I going to, oh, how, the salesman, how are you going to feel, you know, when you lose out on this deal? Well, you might answer, yeah, and how am I going to feel if I make this deal and I find a better one tomorrow? And here's something else I've learned. If I sleep on it tonight, if I sleep on it tonight, I might not even want it tomorrow. See, that's why I don't go shopping. Because though I might want it at the moment, but then tomorrow I might be sorry I bought that. Well, what did I buy that for? I didn't even go there to buy that. I didn't even want that. I didn't even, I didn't even know I wanted that. See, if I don't go shopping, I don't know what I don't want. Does that make sense? That's pretty good, isn't it? I might say that again someday. Write that down and give that to me so I might say that again someday. <laughs> I don't even know what I said now. And if I wait, I might find something better tomorrow. <laughs> don't look at your spouse. You don't get that. If I'd have waited, I might have got somebody better. No, I'm just <laughs> And here's what I've discovered. If I am supposed to have it, it'll still be there tomorrow. And if it's not, I can live without it. <laughs> I am not sharing the offering with you. <laughs> and if it's not, I probably wasn't supposed to have it. And let me tell you something else I've learned. I have never gotten into trouble from waiting too long. I have gotten into trouble by being too impulsive. 
if I hadn't have made that deal, if I hadn't have made that, if I hadn't made that, uh, that um, investment that I told you about impulsively, if I'd have waited even one day, because it was the very, if I remember correctly, it was the very next day that it was all shut down, and this guy that I invested with, who, who actually had given me the money, come to see me and said, they've shut everything down. This is a scam. If I'd have waited one day, I w- it w- he'd have lost his money, but I wouldn't have lost mine. I've never gotten into trouble waiting too long. I have gotten into trouble by being too impulsive. Only immature, not, only immature naive people respond to pressure. I don't respond to pressure. I, I don't anymore. I've learned not to. In fact, when people try to pressure me, they drive me away. If you want to turn me off, try and put the pressure on. If you want me to run the other way, put the pressure on. You don't close the deal with me by putting the pressure on. It might work for some people. It might work for the naive. It might work for the immature, but it doesn't work for me. Solomon said, Proverbs 14, 29, he who is impulsive exalts folly. And he said in Proverbs 21 and 5, hasty decisions lead to, pro- to poverty. All right, talking about the four characteristics of naive people. Number three, they're impatient. They're impatient. A commercial for MasterCard uh, a few years ago said, I want it all, I want it all, and I want it now. Grandpa taught us, work now, play later. You can play, he said, only after you get all your work done. Problem is, people today want to play now. They want all of their toys now. See, see, I'm not against toys. I'm not against big boy toys and big girl toys. I'm not against having things. I am against things having us. I'm not against you driving a nice car. I am against a nice car driving you. Newlyweds today want to start out with what mom and dad have. I don't even think they even have this anymore. Do they have early American furniture anymore? Is that even a style anymore? That's 100 years old, right? Okay. But when, I was, when we were first married, you know, a lot of people had early, early American furniture. That was a style. No, we didn't have early American furniture. We had early marriage furniture. <laughs> we bought a whole house full of furniture from my, my grandparents <laughs> for like 150 bucks. I mean, it was 43 years ago, okay, so that's probably like 1500 now, but still, okay? Uh, but newlyweds today want, want to start out with what mom and dad had, but it took mom and dad 15, 20, 25 years to get what they have. But they want to start out that way. Let me tell you, you can have anything and everything you want right now, whether you can afford it or not. The good old American way is you can have it, and you can have all you want, and you can have it right now. All you have to do is charge it. All you have to do is charge it. All you got to do is whip out the old plastic. All you have to do is go to the bank, borrow the money, sign on the dotted line. You can have anything and everything you want, whether or not you can afford it. 
But naive people don't understand that even though that you get everything that you want and you get it right now, they forget and they don't understand that you also have to pay for it. And not only do you have to pay for it, but you have to, if you don't afford, if you can't write a check for it, or you can't use a debit card for it, you not only have to pay for it, but you have to pay for it plus interest. Naive people think, well, I can't wait 10, 15, 20 years, work hard, save and invest, live on less than I make. I can't wait to acquire wealth. I can't wait to live uh, a comfortable lifestyle. So I'll believe uh, the latest and greatest scheme that's come along. I'll, I'll take ridic- ridiculous risk with my money in hopes of getting rich quick. I'll, I'll, I'll mortgage myself to the max. Uh, I'll... I'll, I'll uh, charge everything and build my credit card till it's incredibly crazy. I'll mortgage my future for a party today. Not only are naive people immature, impulsive, and and impatient, they're also impressionable. They're impressionable. They don't think for themselves. They actually believe the sky is falling. So they better live it up now. Solomon said in Proverbs 14 and 15, a simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thought to his steps. Solomon said, don't believe anything that you hear and only half of what you see. Now, let me understand that advertisers can make a skunk smell good. My son and daughter-in-law just bought a, a house. And it was amazing to look up houses on the Internet and we got a realtor here, so and I know he wouldn't do this, but but it was amazing to look up houses on the on the internet, and wow, this looks awesome, this looks great, and then go show up and see the actual house. It didn't look anything like what they showed the pictures of. When my son went to college, he used to get angry at campus days. We'd go to campus days, you know or parent days, and man, and that campus would be spit-shined, man, and uh, man, we'd go eat at the cafeteria, and the food was good, you know, and we'd go in and have the program, and it would just be awesome, and uh, man, we'd be impressed, and then we'd go with our son, you know, later, and he'd go, that ain't the way it is. You know, this campus don't look like this except on campus days and parent days. And we sure don't eat like this in the cafeteria. And it would make him angry. He would say, they're putting on the dog. They make it look good for the parents. They make it look good for the prospective students coming here. This isn't a true picture. This isn't, this isn't, when you get here, it ain't what they say, it's not a true picture. The naive are impressionable. They believe the advertisements. They're fooled on campus days. They're fooled on parent days. They believe everything they hear and more than they and they believe more than they see. So Solomon's third secret to financial success is what? Don't be naive. All right, I'm gonna finish up here. Let me give you some questions to ask yourself. Here, question number one, ask yourself, is the investment I'm about to make or the thing I'm about to enter into, is it one that my mentors would make? 
would those that I respect in the area of finances, would they get involved in this? Would they do this? Is this something they would be a part of? A good way to answer that question would be to ask them. Get their input. Ask yourself what type of people are doing this. Listen, I'm, I'm not sending you to hell for buying a lottery ticket, okay? I don't think it's real good for your, uh, for your testimony, honestly. But I'm not going to throw you under the bus. And, but I'm, let me just ask you, maybe you ought to just ask what type of people are doing it. Who's buying these lottery tickets by the, by the handfuls? Who's buying them? I'll tell you who's buying them, the people who can't afford to buy them. Okay? I'm not saying the rich people don't buy two or three or a handful or whatever, but by and large, it's the poor people. It's the struggling people. They're the ones, they're the ones that are buying them. But you might ask yourself, who's doing this? What type of people are doing this? Well, whatever it is, I just threw that out for an example, but who's doing this? What kind of people are doing this? Who does this? Number two, second question you might ask is, does this thing I'm considering, does it seem just a little bit too good to be true? Because if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Third question, am I being told that this thing will be easy? Did I tell you getting out of debt would be easy? I'm telling you it's hard. I'm telling you it's difficult. A A whole lot harder to get out of debt than it is to get in debt. But you can do it. Fourth question, is there a long history for this investment or this idea? Same way when you start investing in mutual funds. Find those that have a, have a good, uh, steady uh, track record of, of 7 to 10 years. If you, if you go to a financial advisor, find one. First of all, it's got their finances in order. Number two, find, find someone with a reputable reputable company that's been around for a while, got a good track record. Number five, uh, does, this, uh, does this feel like some new scheme to beat the system? If it is, I wouldn't be a part of it. Does this seem like some kind of shortcut? I'm telling you, there's no shortcut to financial success. All right, let me give you wisdom's to-do list. Some wisdoms to-do list. Number one, take time with your decisions. Ask questions of yourself and of others who have expertise in financial areas. Make it your policy that you're not going to make any major purchase the same day you find it. Now, the only exception to that would be is if, okay, I'm looking for a car, okay? I'm looking for a car, and I've been looking for a while, so I know what a good deal is, okay? I know what a good deal is. So if I've been doing my homework and, I, and, I'm, and I, I, first of all, I need it, not just shopping, I need it. It's a need. And I've done my homework and I know what a good deal is and I know. Then that's the exception. Okay, now I've found it and I'm, I, I would break my rule then and only then. But, I, but it's because I've done my due diligence. Number one, I need, it's a need. It's, it's a need or, I can, or it's a, a want that I can afford, okay? And I've done my due diligence and I've, you know, it's not my first day looking. It's not my first day looking, okay, so I've been looking, I've been looking, okay, so now I found it, okay, yeah, okay, then yes, then I may make the, I may not, I may still stick to my policy, but I might break my policy because I've done my due diligence, and it's what I've been looking for, and it's in my price range, all those good things, that would be the only time I'd ever break my, my, my rule there. Number two, um, 
don't feel bad about being skeptical. Do your homework. Demand proof before believing or participating in anything. Number three, the latest and greatest might seem more exciting, but tried and true methods are more secure. So before you invest in or start something that hasn't been proven, ask yourself, can I afford to lose this money? Don't be naive. Don't be naive. Father, I just pray that you will take, uh, Lord, this lesson tonight. Take the principles uh, from these uh, lessons, Father. I pray that you'll instill them in the heart of, of the people. God, I pray that this will not just go in one ear and out the other. I pray, Lord, that those that are here will not just be uh, uh, hearers of the word, but they will become doers of the word. God, I pray, Lord, that uh, if, they're past, if they're not happy with their past, they'll make changes so their future will not reflect their past. Father, I pray, Lord, that you will help us, Father, make the, the correct changes that we need to make, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.